This is the IDP After Show. Welcome back to Johnny the Greek's Cornerback Corner. This is the audio edition week two. Thank you everyone for listening and hope everyone had a good week one. It was uh, quite the week one. Not a lot of great passing offense across the league. It's pretty apparent that these teams were rusty and not ready for week one, a whole bunch of them. Despite all that, though, we got some good cornerback streams. Let's start with some transparency. So last week, week one, the article, the written edition, I made 58 different calls uh, across different league sizes. Uh, Of those 58 calls, four were injured during play, leaving us with 54 adjusted calls. 42 of those at least matched their projection or went past it. 12 did not. Of those 42 that were correct, 17 of those were massive hits. That's anytime double, triple, quadruple the projection for that player. That's what we're looking for. Leaving us with a 77% accuracy for week one and a 40% massive hit rate on those correct calls. So pretty good week one, all things considered. Let's look at the guys I recommended as the best options last week. So Legereus Sneed matched his projection. We're looking good there. Kenny Moore did not in an ideal situation, so that's not great, but it is what it is. That's the land of cornerbacks. These are not every week guys. That's why we go through all this hassle is to try and identify the guys that have a better chance of hitting their projection and going past it. Kenny Moore will have better weeks to come, no doubt. Carlton Davis went way past his projection. That was an easy one. Nate Hobbs went absolutely crazy and crushed his projection. He actually won me a couple leagues this week, so that worked out good. Tariq Woolen ended up not being a start because Cooper Cup didn't play. And that was a good call because he didn't do too well. Dory Jackson just came in underneath his projection, but we're going to call that a no. Teron Johnson actually played less than 70% of snaps, did not record any statistics of any kind. I think that had more to do with Aaron Rodgers going out after four plays. That just killed the passing offense for the Jets completely and turned that game on its head. It went from a possible shootout to a knife fight in a matter of seconds. So not great, but it is what it is. Teron Johnson did not work out. And then the last couple guys, Sauce Gardner, just under his projection, and DJ Reed smashed his projection, did real well. So decent for the cornerback, one options last week. Let's have a look at what we got going into week two here. So some of the best matchups for week two include Vikings, Eagles, Raiders, Bills, Seahawks, Lions, and Chiefs, Jags. Let's look at each one individually. So Vikings, Eagles, Thursday night football, we've got an over under of 49 points. That's a pretty good amount of passing offense we should see. These teams were second and ninth, respectively, targeting their wide receivers last year. So that's excellent for us in cornerback streaming. And they're both the top 10 or close to it, passing offenses from last year. So we've got all the makings of a shootout on Thursday Night Football. So definitely we'll be targeting that matchup for cornerback streaming this week. I also like the Raiders and the Bills a little bit. We've got a 48 for the over-under for that matchup. So good amount of points. Last season, the Raiders targeted their wide receivers 12th most in the league, which is pretty good. And the Bills 8th most in the league, which is really good. And these two passing offenses were 11th and 7th overall last season. So lots of good factors in that Raiders-Bills game. You know, Nate Hobbs is there too. So we're always, we're always going with Nate Hobbs. 
And then Seahawks Lions. This has got a 51.5 over under. So tons of points we're expecting out of this one. Both of these teams were in the top half of the league, both for targeting wide receivers and for passing offense last season. So we're looking good there. That's also indoors. So we don't have to worry about any monsoon shenanigans like we had with the Bengals game this last week. I told you guys weather was a factor. Everyone thought I was crazy, but look what happened there. So, you know, these are the things we have to consider. And then last but not least, by any means, Chiefs and Jaguars. If we get even a fraction of the last couple of times these guys have met up, we're looking at it. So the Chiefs were the, the first overall passing attack last season. The Jags were in the top 10. The Chiefs, however, were only 21st in targeting their wide receivers last season. And we saw why this last week. They stink. They're horrendous. It's, you know, it's not Richie, Richie James season. It's not Sky Moore season. It's, it's none of that. And the Jags are top 10 in targeting their wide receivers, which are obviously excellent. We've got a 50.5 over under for this game. So tons of points expected. Should be a good shootout there. Definitely targeting that one. So th- those are, in my opinion anyway, the best matchups for week two and the ones that I'll be targeting the most for my cornerback streams. The worst matchups include the Giants and the Cardinals. I, we're looking at, I didn't pull the over-under for this, but I believe it's around 39 or 40. So lower scoring affair. You know, the way this is probably going to pan out is the Giants get back on track, dominate time of possession. It's a big Saquon game, but not a huge passing offense game. And the Cardinals will be trotting out a backup quarterback again as well. So not not a great setup there. And then Browns-Steelers, Monday Night Football, that that is also a very low-scoring uh, affair, according to Vegas. And yeah, neither of these teams really did all that great in targeting their wide receivers in week one. So I'll be avoiding that one as well. Alrighty, so some cornerback ones that I like in week two, or, or guys that at least have the potential to be a cornerback one or two, be a massive hit or to really just blow right by their projection. Uh, I'll just start at the top of the list here. So Byron Murphy, uh, Thursday Night Football, going up against the Eagles. Byron Murphy has traditionally been an excellent streaming corner option. He was on the Cardinals. Now he's over in Minnesota. He's got that Eagles passing attack across from him that had a bit of a down week against the Patriots last week. They're coming home. This is their home opener. I think they get the ship back on on track. We've got a high over-under. We talked about this as one of the matchups we're targeting. And Byron Murphy is amongst the best of the options for that matchup. So I'll definitely have him going this week. And on the other side, Darius Slay. So James Bradbury, I believe, is in concussion protocol. So he's probably not going to be going with the short week in the Thursday night game. But Darius Slay will be. And he had a heck of a week in week one. And he's in a similar setup in week two. Very likely he's going to be chasing Justin Jefferson around all game. And we saw how that worked out for Carlton Davis in week one. Carlton Davis smashed his projection. And I think Darius Slay is in a position to do uh, the same this week. We don't have to worry about playing time with either of those guys. They both clocked in at 100% of snaps or just about. So two very good options there with Darius Slay and Byron Murphy for the Thursday night game. Heading over to the Bills game, the Bills-Raiders game, Nate Hobbs. We saw what Nate Hobbs did last week against the Broncos, who are not a great passing attack and did not look good at all. Nate Hobbs still had, I believe it was 12 combined tackles in that game. And he actually only played 94% of snaps. So, you know, he's still not at his full potential. This week, we're, you know, getting a much better passing offense and a much better offense in general across from him. So I really like Nate Hobbs a lot this week. Slam dunk for him. 
Moving on to Cincy and Baltimore, uh, obviously not starting any Cincinnati guys that Baltimore Ravens uh, passing attack did not get any better despite all the offseason hype. But on the other side, Marlon Humphrey has a chance to play this week. If he does, he is a slam dunk cornerback one going up against that Bengals team that you know wants to get the ship back on track. Humphrey is a great option regardless and with uh, Chase in town he's an even better option but we just got to monitor health on that and see if he can go moving on to the lions in seahawks game so i really like Tariq woolen quite a bit this week he had a bit of a down week against the rams in week one but he did play 100 percent of snaps he's got a lions team that loves to get in shootouts is always in these close games that are back and forth with a lot of sustained offense so i like Tariq woolen quite a bit Plus, he was pretty close to being the overall IDP cornerback one last season. He had spectacular numbers across the board, and I think he could do that again this year. So Tariq Woolen's in a pretty good setup for week two. Probably a good shot that he's chasing a moderate St. Brown around. So that's a good setup right there. All right, heading over to the Jacksonville KC game. So we got a few guys that we can pick out of this game that are all in really, really good setups for week two. So we saw what happened finally with Kansas City, and we got a read on the whole Legereus Sneed, Trent McDuffie situation. So it looks like Trent McDuffie is going to benefit from that Legereus Sneed role that Sneed really you know, took off with last year and was the IDP cornerback one overall in many different leagues. That role that was that productive appears to be Trent McDuffie's now. And McDuffie really went nuts with it in week one, and he's in a very good situation in week two with the Jags in town. So I love Trent McDuffie this week, and I like Legereus Sneed too. You know, if, if he didn't hit his projection in your league, it's because the projection was screwed up. He had six, 16 or 17 points in most of my leagues, and that's fine. You know, just because Yahoo or MFL puts him at 22, that, that you know, doesn't match reality. I'll take 17 points out of a corner any day of the week and twice on Sunday. So both Snead and McDuffie look real good for the Chiefs this week. And then, then on the other side, Tyson Campbell. Tyson Campbell went nuts in week one, played every single snap, had a huge box score in a far less than ideal situation when compared to this with the Chiefs coming to town. So I really like Tyson Campbell to blow up this week as well. I think he makes a great option. And that entire game should just be really good for IDP production and offensive production for fantasy. All right, heading over to the Cowboys and the Jets. I like DJ Reed quite a bit this week to be a cornerback one or two. We saw this in real time on Monday Night Football. We saw what I've been talking about all offseason with the Sauce Gardner stuff. When the rubber met the road, when it was time to put up or shut up, when the game was on the line, who were the Bills throwing at? Was it Sauce Gardner? It was DJ Reed. DJ Reed had a massive game in week one. You could literally see that they were moving Stefan Diggs to DJ Reed's side of the field, play after play after play. And that resulted in a good four or five tackles I saw personally, just from the, the part of the game I watch. You know, so th this is a real thing. They avoided Gardner, they went towards Reed. Reed benefited from it, and he had a massive week one. And he's in a similar situation to do it week two with C.D. Lamb coming to town and a Cowboys team and Dak Prescott that throw the ball entirely too much for their own good. So really like D.J. Reed in week two. And then another one that's a little bit more under the radar, Jonathan Jones. So he did only play 80% of snaps in week one. 
everyone else I've mentioned to this point so far for corner one or twos this week has played at 100% of snaps or close to it. Jonathan Jones only played 80% of snaps, but he has been able to produce really well with only 80% of snaps all of last season. And Miami's coming to town this week. We saw what that Miami passing attack looked like last week. A lot of us heard the, you know, all offseason Tyreek Hill talking about how he wants to break 2,000 yards and set the record. And man, it, it might be doable <laughs> based on what we saw in week one. It might be doable. And Jonathan Jones is going to be, you know, a big part of trying to slow that down. So he's in a great position to produce in week two. I like Jonathan Jones, Patriots corner quite a bit as a possible cornerback one or two in week two. All right, let's look at some dart throws heading into week two. First one I want to talk about is Sean Murphy Bunting of the Tennessee Titans. So the Titans have the Chargers coming to town this week. We saw what the Chargers passing attack looked like in week one, and, and we, we all know about it. You know, this is fantasy football. A lot of you have Herbert shares. A lot of you have Keenan Allen shares and Mike Williams shares. Uh, we know this is an excellent passing attack. And they stuck with Miami that entire game. It was a back and forth affair all the way to the end. And there was a ton of passing offense in that game. So this is a really good setup for Sean Murphy Bunting of the Titans with the Chargers coming to town in week two, especially because there's been some injury concerns with the Titans. It, it, I believe it was Christian Fulton got hurt early in week one. They had to bring Elijah Molden in. So this really just solidifies Sean Murphy Bunting in my mind. They're bringing in guys that aren't starters to play starting time. They can't screw around with Sean Murphy Bunting, so he should be good to go. He should be in for a good week as a dart throw in week two. Same thing with Roger McCreary. So Bunting played 100% of snaps in week one. McCreary only played 88%. He didn't do much with them, but he's in a good situation to bounce back this week with the Chargers in town. I like McCreary as well, just not as much as Sean Murphy Bunting because it looks like McCreary is uh, playing that third cornerback role where he's not going to have as many snaps as Sean Murphy Bunting. So two really good options there as dart throws with the Murphy Bunting and Roger McCreary heading into week two. Another one, and, and I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to call this guy a dart throw, Marco Wilson. Great week one, blew right past his projection, played 100% of snaps, and he's got just the greatest setup for this entire season. He's on this Arizona Cardinals team that is clearly rebuilding, just doesn't care, just mailing it in, uh, looking to get some picks. So he's going to be on defense a, a, a ton this year, just an absolute ton. And availability is the best ability in IDP. You, you need to be on the field to score points, and Marco Wilson's going to be on the field a ton. He does have the Giants passing attack, which is not that great. But I think between some run-stopping tackles and just, you know, a Giants bounce-back game, which they absolutely have to have after that loss to Dallas, I think Marco Wilson's in a good spot to at least match his projection and probably go past it. So I like him as a dart throw in Week 2. And the last dart throw that I really like in Week 2, this is definitely the most risky one. Anyone that knows anything about Patriots IDPs knows how risky this is, is Christian Gonzalez, uh, Patriots rookie cornerback. He played 100% of snaps in week one. That is unheard of. That is absolutely unheard of. That Belichick took a rookie and played him that much in a big game in week one is just insane. It makes no sense in my mind. Assuming we get that again, or assuming we get anything close to that again, 
with the Dolphins in town, Christian Gonzalez is in a similar situation as Jonathan Jones to put up a massive week against an excellent, excellent passing attack. It's super risky, though. Anyone that knows Patriots IDPs knows that nothing stays the same. Everything changes week to week. That defense morphs, so to speak, to match what's coming to town and turns into the best version of themselves to beat whatever offense they're playing. So that's not good. That means that roles change week to week. Playing time changes week to week. You can't count on things being the same week after week. It's a very unstable defense. With all that in mind, this is a little bit of the roll of the dice, but if it goes in our favor, if we get another 100% of snaps out of Christian Gonzalez in this week two game against the Miami Dolphins with that passing attack, we could be in for a huge, huge game. And this guy is probably sitting on waivers in most of your leagues because he's a rookie. He's a rookie corner, and there's no way that anyone thought Belichick's going to start a rookie especially 100% of snaps this early in the season. It makes no sense. So it's worth a shot. I might do it in a league or two, but it's, it's definitely a little risky. And last but not least, let's look at some ideas that might seem good, but maybe aren't for this week, for week two here. So Brian Branch. A lot of people ran out to the waiver wire and grabbed Brian Branch after that pick six Thursday night football against the Chiefs. I get it. He, he's a rookie. He's playing slack corner. This, you know, part of this is a designation thing, too. If he has the corner designation in your league of merit, then this is an option. But for most of us, this isn't even going to be an option because he's still a safety across most, most league sites. But to the few of you out there that I believe it's Flea Flicker and some other sites have Brian Branch as a corner, you may have seen that pick six on Thursday and thought, wow, this, this guy is really good. He's going to have a huge season. First things first, it was an interception return touchdown. If he does that one more time this season, we'll be lucky. That is not an every week play. That is a splash play, and that is amongst the most rare of splash plays. You know, he's more likely to get a sack or a forced fumble or just an interception where he steps out of bounds. Returning it for a touchdown does not happen a lot. So we cannot be counting on that to happen again anytime soon. Beyond that, he only played 68% of snaps. That is not a lot of playing time, and that is not ideal playing time, especially for cornerback. Cornerback is so readily available. You can get a guy that plays 100% of snaps pretty much every week in every league, no matter the size, because there's so many of them available. And it's always in flux. It's always moving. There are always guys you can find. You know, just this week, there are a good 10 guys that I did not think were going to be starters in the league at all that are playing 100% of snaps that you could pick up. If you read the article, they're all in there. You know, and that stuff happens all the time. Between injuries, promotions, demotions, things like that, this is a churning, unstable, always in flux position. So you never have to settle for 68% of snaps. And why would you? Why would you? Those other 32% of snaps could be the difference between another tackle, another pass defense, maybe an interception, maybe a sack. And those points could be the difference between winning and losing your matchup. So when it comes to playing time, I never settle. I would never settle for 68% of snaps. That's crazy. And you don't need to either. So Brian, Brian Branch, bad idea that seems good in week two. He does have a good matchup. I'll give him that. So I could be eating my words here. But statistically, and just with all the factors that we're looking at here, 
not a great idea for week two. And another idea that may seem good, but is really not this week is Trayvon Diggs. So Trayvon Diggs three days ago would have been a great idea against the Jets with Aaron Rodgers under center. With Zach Wilson under center, we're talking about a guy that played most of that game the other night. Rodgers had four snaps before he was out. Wilson played like 99% of that game. He came in immediately. Anyone want to guess how many completions he had? Yeah, if you, if you guessed 14, you were right, and that's not good, right? 14 completions is Justin Fields' territory. It is not good. That is not what we're looking for. We need a ton of completions to give us our floor. Completions give us our corner tackling the guy for easy points. Completions lead to pass defense. Completions lead to interceptions. You know, the more a quarterback completes passes, the more likely he is to continue to pass. And that's what we need to get cornerback streaming points. The Jets are going to have to completely flip everything on their head. They're going to have to turn from a team with Rodgers that had a chance to be maybe not a prolific offense, but a good offense to a team that just really dials everything back. We're going to see a lot more Dalvin Cook. We're going to see a lot more Brees Hall. And we're going to see a lot less Garrett Wilson. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. They, they have to run, play defense, and limit mistakes. That's their path to victory now. It is no longer throw the ball 30, 35 times and just beat the other team with a higher score. It is now, you know, really dial it back and, and win the old-fashioned way. So with that in mind, Trayvon Diggs is not a good idea this week at all. You know, Wilson's probably not going to pass enough to, to satisfy even one of the Dallas corners, never mind three. And we've got three talented corners there. Jordan Lewis, if he's back, was really good last year and has been good in recent history. Stephon Gilmore is incredible. And Trayvon Diggs is incredible. So there's, there's, there's just not enough production. There's not enough to eat for these guys. So it's not, it's not a good idea to play Trayvon Diggs in this matchup coming up here. That's the setup for week two. Best of luck to everyone. I, I hope it works out. For y'all, please check out the written cornerback corner article. I dialed it back from 11,000 words this week. It is about half that size. But, you know, we did that on purpose for the week one edition. We made it like a primer. So everything's in there, all the strategy, all the factors we look to, how we decided on each call, et cetera, et cetera. That's all in there, you know, forever in perpetuity in the week one edition going forward. But yep, week two edition will be out as of the time of this recording dropping. So please go give that a read over at the idpshow.com. Check me out over on SGPN. I've got a weekly kind of waiver wire-ish IDP podcast with the IDP tipster Gary. And I'm always around if you need anything and love to talk cornerback streaming strategy. Hit me up on Twitter at orangeman3142. Thank you all for listening. Good luck in week two, and we'll see you for week three. Have a good week. Take care. Bye-bye. This was the IDP After Show. <laughs>